Have you ever asked yourself, like I have before, why do I still sin? Have you ever maybe pondered that thought and the weariness in whatever age or stage of your spiritual maturity in life? Why do I still struggle with sin? You know, why do I still sin? I know we understand the concept of free will. I know we understand that fallen man and sin nature exist and that there is sin in the world today and that we have a propensity towards sin because of our old man, the sinful flesh. But why do some who claim to have been born again why are there Christians that, or individuals that claim to be born-again Christians that continue in habitual sin? The distinction that John is going to help us, is talking about, that I want to make a distinction about, is the difference between sinners sometimes choosing to sin and asking forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9, for that, and having a restored fellowship with the Lord versus a habitual living in continual unrepentant habitual sin. There are two different things here. John wants us to be very clear on them. So I've titled our study Abiding in Christ versus Practicing Sin. When I, when I use the word practice tonight, I'm going to use that a lot intentionally because of the scriptures here. Well, you can think also of the word continue. So you might replace that. Practicing or continuing in sin. Galatians 5.24 tells us, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. We understand that born-again Christians as believers, saved by God's grace, justified, declared righteous, and so on, that we have also put to death the control God Christ has put to death the control and conquered sin in our lives. Those affections and lusts have been put to death, and in many cases we're continually having to put those to death. We refer to it in theology sometimes as mortifying the flesh, to put to death the flesh. But still, Christians sin and become discouraged about that. And I believe, dear friends, Satan would love for Christians to be so discouraged in committing and choosing to commit sin from time to time that we get to a point where surely the Lord will not forgive me again. Surely I am worthless and unworthy of doing anything for the Lord because I continually struggle with sin. Newsflash. We will always, this side of heaven, struggle with sin. But as we mature in Christianity and as we deepen our continual abiding relationship with the Lord, we ought to be working towards Christians who are sinning less and less and less and less. We ought not sin at all, but we understand that we struggle with those temptations. So Paul reminds us in a way that does not leave us alone. In Romans chapter 7, verse 18, he says, I know that in me that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. This is a very hopeful passage in the New Testament, which I believe the Apostle Paul is bearing to us his 
capability of sin, his struggle with the temptation to sin, and his struggling to live a righteous life as he is and we are called to live. So he says this in Romans 7 and 18, that chapter there is worthy of studying and is encouraging and helpful in the right context. But because we are flesh and bone, we battle with sin in our lives. I should maybe say this. Because we are flesh and bone, we battle with the temptation to sin in our lives. We'll battle with that until we are fully sanctified, glorified in heaven with our Lord. But until then, we are called to walk in the Spirit. We're called to be set apart from the world. We're called to think and act differently, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us. I refer to that as a Romans 12, 1 and 2 lifestyle, to, that our minds are transformed, the renewing of our mind. We no longer walk according to the flesh. These are things that we are called to be different in and to live differently. So John writes in 1 John chapter 3, this is our text this evening, and in verses 6 and 7, he writes that Christians are marked by an abiding relationship in Christ. That's one of the things that, that marks us out. It, it, it makes us distinctive in the world. Christians have an abiding relationship in Christ. And in order to maintain an abiding relationship in Christ, a Christian needs to understand, needs to recognize what abiding in Christ is and also what the results of practicing sin is. So two points this evening, two very important um, observations we need to make that John is showing us here. We're, we're going to school, and the schoolmaster is John right now in God's Word. And he is teaching us two things we need to look at. One is we need to recognize the relationship of abiding in Christ. And then second, secondarily, we'll look at recognizing the result of practicing sin. So we have the, the, the abiding in Christ versus practicing sin. So firstly, in verses 6 and 7, let's recognize the relationship of abiding in Christ. What is that? Let's recognize that. John has spoken before of, a, of abiding in Christ. You remember this in our series. In chapter 2, verse 28, John says this, and now, little children, abide in him, that's in Christ, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. John speaks of this abiding in Christ as having an unbroken fellowship with him. Remember, as Christians, we have a permanent relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing can break, sever, or separate that relationship. But that fellowship, that close abiding fellowship is oh so delicate that we have to be very careful not to allow sin to break or breach that fellowship, no matter how momentary it is. So two truths need to be emphasized when we recognize the relationship of abiding in Christ. The first truth is the abiding Christian does not practice sin. That's the bottom line. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's, the, that's what the fella says, right? That's what it is. The abiding Christian does not practice sin. Verse 6 tells us this. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. John has an interesting, the apostle here has an interesting way of using very loving, uh, kind, compassionate language. You remember this when, he's, when he begins the letter and throughout my little children. It's not a demeaning thing. He speaks in a very loving, close relationship. 
but he also has a unique way of being very starkly clear, doesn't he? If you're sinning, knock it off. That's what he's saying in 1 John. If you call yourself a Christian, you ought to be sinning. If you're sinning, you're not a Christian. Talk about this continual habitual sinning that I tried to make distinct at the beginning. We'll come back to that in a moment. In verse 6, there's something we need to, to notice. So look at the words there. Whosoever abide, abideth in, hi, in him, or whosoever abides in him, sinneth not. I've talked about word tenses before, and this is what's important. So let me help, try and under, help you understand something. Whosoever abideth in him, sinneth not, is in the, the, the present tense. This is a present continual. So the Greek present tense indicates a, um, a form of continued action. Something that, that continues, that goes on and on and on. It's something that it continues. Something that happens continually or repeatedly. Or something that is in the process of happening. So the one continually abiding in Christ does not continually sin. This is what verse 6 is telling us. The present tense here. So one who is continually abiding in Christ, that's a Christian, that's normative indicative of regular, everyday, authentic Christianity, abiding in Christ, one who is doing that is not continually, every day, habitually continuing on in a life of sin. This is what uh, John is, is speaking of here. So notice John is not saying that a believer will not commit any act of sin ever. That's not what John is speaking of here. That's why the word tense is important. But that he will not, the believer will not practice Remember, practice and continue. Interchange those words this evening. The believer will not continue in sin. Sin should, it could be said rightly this way, sin should be the exception, not the rule in a Christian's life. Does that make sense? Sin in the life of a Christian should be an abnormal thing. Wow, where did that come from? Not surprised, like, how can this happen? Yes, it can. But it should be something like, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I should not be sinning. This is abnormal. This is the exception, not the rule to Christianity. This is what John is saying. So how do you prevent the practice of sin? Where, where do we practically put some steps in, places, in place? What do we do to prevent sin in the life of a believer? How do we prevent succumbing to the temptation to sin? And John reminds us over and over again in 1 John, it's by abiding in Him. By ab intentionally spending time with Him. By walking in the light. By confessing those individual acts of sin immediately. Immediately when the Holy Spirit reveals to us by conviction and our conscience that God has created us with, that what I have done is wrong. It's in violation to God's word. It is first and foremost affront to holy God. I must confess this because the Lord God in heaven is willing and loving to forgive so that I can restore that delicate fellowship that I have in my relationship with Christ. I was recently in one of the Bible studies with, with a young man. We had been talking about um, this abiding relationship. How does a teenage guy, how do young men, how do any Christians continue an abiding relationship? What is abi an abiding relationship? And it's been illustrated before this way very well, I believe. Consider a marriage relationship. 
the man and the woman are married, and they're in their holy matrimony of marriage. They're married, united in a relationship, and they have a marriage. They have a relationship. She refers to him as husband, and he refers to her as wife. They live in the, under the same roof. They eat meals together. In some cases, they do some things together. But I'd like you to imagine in this marital relationship, if the husband and the wife never spoke to each other, don't look around at each other, you know, and nudge your husband. I oh, just talk to him. Why not? Imagine they never spoke to each other. Imagine they never asked questions about each other. They never spent significant amount of time together. They never listened to each other, and so on and so on. You get the picture. Does that mean that they're not married? No. No, they're still married. Does that mean that they have a deep, abiding close and appropriately intimate relationship and getting to know one of each other? No. No. This is similar to what God desires for his children, you and me as Christians. The kind of relationship that he desires for us will mean that both the creator and the creature, that's us, that's you, find our greatest joy in the joy of the other. Our greatest joy as God's creation is in Him. And it delights our Lord when we find joy in an abiding relationship with Him. This is, this is our ought to be the desire of a Christian. This is the desire of our Lord. Someone has once said this, fellowship with God is possible when there is nothing between my soul and the Savior. Does that sound familiar to you? Like maybe a hymn in our hymnal? Read it again. Fellowship with God is possible when there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. As a hymn writer put it. But there must also be much going on between my soul and the Savior. Nothing between my soul and the Savior, but much going on between my soul and the Savior. That's that abiding relationship. That's getting to know him in a way that he's revealed to us by reading his letter. I've illustrated it recently to an individual this way, and I do often. Maybe I have here, and forgive me if this is repetitive. But you can imagine a, a young man, once like me in my life, receiving an envelope in the mail. This was after I was married. But you imagine in any age stage of relationship on the envelope was a marking of red lipstick and the envelope had a scent of perfume on it and on the front of the envelope it was addressed to me and on the return address was Allison it was from my alley oh what a sweet letter I hadn't opened it yet, but imagine what it would be like if I went, wow, this is really good. It looks good. It smells good. I bet what's inside, it's, it, 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 it sounds good. Everything about this is good. And I set it on the shelf, and I go about the day. It would be a little ridiculous, wouldn't it? Well, it would save you the mushy details, but it would be ridiculous for me. 
the right thing in that relationship. You get to know the one that I love that's trying to communicate to me to be tear that thing open, read every word a hundred times over. That's in an appropriate and a much more superiorly divine way what God's word is to us. The most sanctified love letter ever written, given in words for us to know our God in a deep, abiding way. Also spending time in prayer with him and, and communing with his people, loving his people, and so on and so forth. So recognizing the relationship of abiding in Christ, we see that abiding, the abiding Christian does not practice sin. But we also need to see that the abiding Christian practices righteousness. You have the negative and you have the positive. So if we call ourselves a Christian that's abiding in the vine, if we're abiding with Christ, as 1 John describes, then a Christian practices, an abiding Christian practices righteousness. Look at verse 7, please. 1 John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, John writes. The phrase may seem redundant, but again, the present tense is used. See, the present tense is, is, is a reference, an indication of a lifestyle, of something that is ongoing. It's not a one-time fleeting event. So he who practices righteousness is righteous. If you go back to verse 29 of chapter 2, the same little letter, it says, If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone which doeth righteousness is born of him. Another indication, another fruit of the, um, uh, the revelatory fruit of a Christian. And so the righteousness that John speaks of here, is, there's two major righteousnesses that are spoken of in the scriptures. And the righteousness that John is speaking of here is not the righteousness that's imputed to us, but rather the practical righteousness that the justified believer person is to produce. The righteousness in acts, the righteousness in living, the righteousness in imitating Christ in our lives. That's the righteousness that John is speaking of here. And although believers have Again, the capacity to sin. We have the free will, the choice to sin. It is uncharacteristic of a believer to continue in sin. How do we go about protecting ourselves? How do we go about arming ourselves, defending ourselves against the temptation of sin? We desire, you desire with me, I'm assuming this evening, you desire with me, everyone here that's a believer desires to have an abiding relationship with our Lord. We desire to put sin far from us and never commit sin. We want to live in that deep, joyful, loving, abiding relationship. What can we do? What is something we can do to enable that? Well, I'd like you to consider with me building a wall. I don't have a picture or fancy slides. I thought about bringing Legos up here and building some Legos. The boys would like that, right? Kids, if you need to think about Legos, think about Legos. Let's say we're building a wall, a defensive wall. And with each brick that we put up and the mortar we set up and each brick that's there before us, building up that wall of protection, that defense against sin in our lives so we may maintain that abiding relationship 
you might consider some helpful building blocks. Here are three of them. Block number one to our defensive wall might be simply to abide in Christ. Continue in that abiding relationship. We refer to it sometimes as a Sunday school answer, right? Uh, 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 Praying, reading your Bible, growing every day, and you'll grow, 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 right? As the chorus goes. Spending time in prayer, spending time with God's people, spending time in God's word. That's, that's a block to our defensive wall, abiding in Christ. Here's another block that's helpful in defending ourselves from the attacks and temptations of sin in our life. And that is to confess individual acts of sin immediately. If you're drawing out notes or you're drawing Legos or blocks, you can write these words inside of them. One is to abide in Christ. Two is to confess individual acts of sin immediately. Help to build up that defensive wall against the temptations of sin. And block number three, and maybe there are many more, but here's a very important one that needs to be in our wall of defense against sin. That is to walk in the light of God's word. That circles back to abiding relationship. That's part of an abiding relationship. But daily walking in the light of God's word so that we are thinking, breathing, talking, communicating, responding, praying the way Christ would have us do in his word. These and many others help to build a defense against the temptation of sins that we might maintain that abiding fellowship with our Lord. So, first that we've seen tonight, recognize the relationship of abiding in Christ. And so, realizing our relationship to Christ will be an incentive, really, to not practice sin, to not continue in sin, but to practice instead righteousness. This comes from a biblical, correct recognition of the relationship of abiding in Christ. But secondly, and lastly, only two points, rather unorthodox, but two points. Look with me at verse 4. We're going to revisit 4, and we'll look at some others. We also need to, as I mentioned earlier, recognize the result of practicing sin. We need to understand and we need to grasp the weight of this. Remember last week we were working on our harmodiology. We were working on our study of sin, the doctrine of sin, making sure that we understand it correctly as we have a bent and a tendency toward it. So recognize the result of practicing sin. John makes several very startling statements about the person who continues in the practice of sin. Someone he has in mind, someone he's referring to, anyone that would be reading that can identify. He speaks of one who continually practices sin, lives a life of habitual, continual sin. And it is clear that John does not view this person as a true Christian at all. And so we see a list here. Look at verse 4. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. The the transgression here, the idea of lawlessness. We studied that last time as well. So Christians who practice sin transgress the law, verse 4. 1 John 3, verse 4. So verse 4 helps us define sin. Helps us define it. It's a transgression. Sin is a violation of holy God and everything he is, and his character, his law, and his standard. And it not only helps us define sin, but it also points out the result of practicing sin. 
There's sinning, and then there's a result of practicing sin and sinning. This kind of person is defiant in nature. They are lawless, John says. Without law, they're a rebel. All of us before salvation were rebels against God. By nature, these, this individual who practices sin, who continually transgresses the law, is a rebel. And the practice of lawlessness reveals the character of the individual that is doing the sending, the, the sinning. A lawless one that transgresses the law. If you look at verse 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth, or neither know him known him. Verse 6. So verse 6, we see Christians who practice sin have not seen or known him. Those who claim Christianity but continually live in sin, who practice sin continually, habitually, unrepentantly, are identified as those who have never seen him. So again, the present tense of the word is used in verse 6. Whosoever continually sins or practices sin has not seen him in reference to salvation or known him. So when a person comes to know Christ as Savior, a transforming process takes place. Amen? It begins. A transformation begins. Salvation is one time and it is final, but there begins a transformation where that, that, that wretched, rebellious sinner begins to be transformed more and more closely identified in the image of Christ as they mature and go through life in this side of heaven. That transformation begins, and that transformation is finalized when we are changed into His likeness at the rapture in the presence of our Lord finally one day. Chapter 3, verse 2, as we mentioned. So sinning is what the person who does not know the Lord does. The one who does not know the Lord, the one who is not a Christian, is one who continues in sin habitually. But believers' lives should be different from the lives of unbelievers. It should be different. It should be changed. It should not match. It should not look alike. The things that we used to do regularly, as Christians, we should no longer be doing regularly. Those sinful things. I think it was Dr. Jim Berg, when we went through change into his image, used this illustration before as well, of um, watching young people, I guess they're adults, we were adults in college. Seeing a young man and a young woman get to know each other and visit. And they would come into class. If he was a professor, or you may have seen these things in church and elsewhere. The two that had their undivided attention towards each other speak in hushed tones. and They compliment one another. They enjoy each other's company as if there's no one else around. They get to know each other more and more, and the Lord leads in their life, and the one ends up proposing to the other. Hopefully it's the guy, right? It's the way it's supposed to work. The guy proposes to her. But it's on a contingency. He says, will you marry me? But if you marry me, I'd, I'd like to continue dating these other girls. I mean, I'll love you. I, I will be there for every meal. I will support you. I'll show up to all the events we need to go to. I'll help raise a family. But 
I mean, I need to date these other girls, right? I'll just continue that. What, do, you think, do you think that would be okay? I don't know. You could probably guess what the answer might be of that bride. Maybe after a swift smack across the face to, to the one proposing, not promoting violence, but maybe he needs to be shaken up a little bit. Um, she says no and uh, tells him he can take a hike. So many times as Christians, our choices can show such a ridiculous type of an offer to the Lord. Isn't that ridiculous? What I mean by that is, Lord, I love you. I want a relationship, but oh, I like to sin. I got to do this, though. This is mine. You know, oh, Lord, I love you. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to serve. Um, I'm going to do this. I'll, leave a, I'll live a life that abstains from these things, but this and this, these are mine. I need these. I'm going to still do this. This is not the abiding relationship. Our lives should be different. Once sinning, saying, I'm divorcing from my thinking and my activity, all of these things, I am wholly committed, purely um, following after Christ in this abiding relationship. There is no one else more important than Christ. He is Lord in my life. He is leading in my life. And I will follow Him and practice spiritual abstinence to Him as opposed to living a life of sin. Christians who practice sin have not seen or known him. Then look at verse 8, and we see that Christians who practice sin are of the devil. This is what John is teaching us here. Verse 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. This is the continuing, uh, present te- uh, the, the continuing tense here. This is something that continues. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. We studied that last time. Here also, committed sin is in the present tense. So speaking of the continual or habitual practice of sin, which its origin is found in Satan. The Gospel of John chapter 8 and verse 44 reminds us of this. Sin finds its origin in the devil, and those who practice it reveal their relationship with him. For those who are, if there's anyone that seems to be cavalier about the necessity of a Christian practicing a life of, 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 of righteousness and obedience to the Lord, set apart and sanctified unto the Lord, for anyone that's cavalier or doesn't understand the importance of it, anyone who wants to devalue the consequences and the reality and the results of sin needs to understand the origin of sin. For those who view sin lightly, consider the solemn fact of chapter 3 and verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his, bro- his brother. So that brings us to 10. As we look here, we see those who practice sin are not of God. The reality is startling. It is startlingly clear. Sinning is of the devil. Living righteously is of the Lord. There's no middle ground. You're either of God or you're of the devil. 
The children of God are manifest, John writes, by a life of righteous living. Manifest is to, to made known, to be seen, to be made known. And so this is another way of saying, as Jesus would teach in Matthew chapter 7, and verse 20, by their fruits ye shall know them. So realizing the implications of practicing, continuing in sin, causes the Christian to desire a life of righteousness. Understanding sin, getting the doctrine of sin right, causes the truly born-again Christian to desire a life of practicing righteousness when we understand correctly these things. So John shows us that Christians are marked by an abiding relationship in Christ. And in order to maintain an abiding relationship in Christ and working on that intentional maintaining that fellowship, one must recognize what abiding in Christ is and also what the results of practicing sin is. And I would encourage each one, each one here tonight, to ask yourself a question, to consider a question. We're sitting here, this isn't a question, I'll get to it in a moment. We'll hold that in suspense. We're sitting here this evening. It's a Sunday evening, Calvary Baptist Church, closer family, congregation. Everyone's welcome, but that's just the way it is. We study sin like this, and we study the contrast of a life of sinfulness and a life of righteousness. One is an unbeliever and one is a believer. You go, what can we do with this? We're, we're Christians here, Pastor. And everyone assume everyone's a Christian. We're preaching to Christians. You go, what do we do with this? And here's something to consider. Here's the question. What does my practice reveal about my relationship with Christ? If we understand the difference between one who practices and continues in sin and one who, who works to protect themselves against sin and live in righteousness, it might do us very well to consider our lives as a Christian. What choices and what activities, what are they revealing about my relationship with my Lord? Let's bow our heads in prayer this evening. Father in heaven, thank you for making a way for us to enjoy an abiding relationship with you. Thank you for scriptures like these that help us to recognize the relationship of abiding in Christ and the result of, of, of practicing sin when we do. Dear Lord, strengthen us, I ask, please, in, in living, strengthen us as we, we live an abiding life that is completely different than continuing in sin. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to resist sin. Thank you for Jesus that has, that has obtained victory over sin. May you help us to see the importance in staying connected to the vine 
so that we may sin less until we are sinless. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.